Did you know that it's almost been 250 years since the Boston Tea Party? Massachusetts Masonry has a pretty epic celebration coming up to celebrate just that, plus a whole lot more of amazing history in that area. We have an awesome guest on tonight that's going to walk us through all that and more, so you won't want to miss out. Stick with us right after this on Historical Light. Welcome back to the Historical Light Masonic Podcast, dedicated to illuminate our past and bring our Masonic history to light since 2016. Enjoy the show. Good evening and welcome back to Historical Light, independent Masonic show focused on the historical events and aspects within Freemasonry. I'm your host, Brother Alex Powers. Happy to be back with you for another episode. We have with us Brother Brian Simmons from Massachusetts this evening. My brother, thank you so much for being back on. Thanks for having me. So it's been a while since you've been on the show. So just in case they don't remember, will you give us a proper introduction of who you are and your role in Freemasonry? Sure. Um, to be exact, I had to look it up because I knew it had been quite a while. <laughs> um, I, I was on episode 10. That's right. That's right. We're talking about Ezekiel Bates Lodge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was that was a long time ago because I was just junior warden in my lodge at the time. But anyway, I'm... I'm Right Worshipful Brian Simmons. I am a past master of Ezekiel Bates Lodge and a sitting district deputy for the 19th East District in Massachusetts. And I'm also the chairman for the Grand Lodge 250th Commemoration Committee. So no pressure is what you're saying? I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. So we, we like to start on here with a few icebreakers just to kind of get to know you a little better, especially since it's been a while since you've been on the show. Um, what is it that got you into Freemasonry in the first place? Um, I, I would say the history of Freemasonry as a whole. Um, and that journey kind of fluctuated because I went pretty fraternal for a while and then I wanted more. And But I mean, now I'm kind of back on on the history of it, you know, as my main focus. You know, I, I think that's a really beautiful thing about Freemasonry because my experience has kind of ebbed and flowed like that as well. But it, it's really neat how you can find those different areas uh, that really take you on and, and give you different opportunities within the craft, which has really been a part of the great experience for me. Now, tell me, did you have family history uh, in Freemasonry prior to yourself? I did not. No. So what, what brought Freemasonry uh, kind of into the picture for you? How did you discover it in the first place? Um, ironically, it was, I don't know if you've seen them, but they, the Massachusetts came out with an ad campaign 10, 15 years ago now for, um, with Ben Franklin. Sure. Yeah. Um, they were running an open house and those videos were all over social media at the time. And it just, it piqued my interest enough to, to reach out and, and meet some brothers. That's awesome. That's fantastic, especially uh, for the marketing department to hear it works. <laughs> it works sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, they definitely got a good brother and get you looped into a few things. I hear you. You stay a little busy over there, right? When I can. Yeah. 
Well, dude, we are stoked to have you on the show this evening, man. Uh, like I said, last time we got to talk to you, uh, I had just came back from Masonicon uh, there at Ezekiel Bates Lodge, and you guys had this amazing uh, museum put up in the lodge. And we kind of went uh, all through that, plus the history of the lodge, and just stoked to have you back on because uh, you're true treasure to the craft, man. I appreciate that. All right. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of this evening, I do got to give a quick shout out to our Patreon supporters that help us grow and sustain. We've been around since 2016 and devoted to the history of Freemasonry. So if you like what we've been doing around here and want to help us continue and grow, you can jump on and become a supporter as well through Patreon. You can go to the website, historicallight.com, click on support, and you can support the show through Patreon. We've got several different levels and they each have uh, specific benefits to those. So you can definitely jump on. Maybe I should put on the Patreon screen and not the starting soon screen you know, talked about marketing. Maybe it should work for us too. So there you go. There's a QR, there's the URL Patreon, and you can get those awesome lapel pins and ambassador badges and help the show grow and thrive. One other announcement before we get into it this evening, MasonicCon Kansas coming up in just a couple of weeks here. Uh, we'll be in Kansas once again for the second year in a row. We had an amazing time last year and, uh, Let's see, we're sold out for festive board, but we still do have day passes and virtual passes available. So if you wanna uh, check that out, the awesome lineup of speakers and discussion panel we have lined up, you can go to MasonicConKansas.com and secure your ticket to join us there. Uh, that'll be coming up July 29th, just right around the corner. Uh, yeah, July 29th. So get your ticket while you can. We hope to see you guys there. It's gonna be a fantastic event and throw him under the bus. It's this guy right here that got me into this whole Masonicon thing. He had led the Masonicon up in Ezekiel Bates in uh, Attleboro, Massachusetts, and kind of lit a fire across the nation with various Masonicons popping up and just a new birth of Masonic education like we haven't seen before. Uh, so really an honor to be in that venture with you and be able to kind of take a little bit of the light that you put out there for everybody and carry that on here in Kansas. I think it's fantastic. And being at your event last year was, it was a great time. It was, it was, we, we learned a ton. Um, obviously with you guys paving the way, uh, made it that much more obtainable, but still doing it ourselves learned a ton. <laughs> so, <laughs> got a little more experience under the belt this year, and I'm sure we'll learn just as much this year as well. But hey, man, let's talk Massachusetts Freemasonry. So we're coming up on 250 years. Now, this is an event that's been talked about quite a bit in history in general, um, but has always been kind of an interesting aspect with Freemasonry. Was it Masonic? Was it not? Tell me a little bit about what this is, the Boston Tea Party, and then we'll get into what the celebration is and why it's important to Massachusetts Freemasonry. So... I think most people understand the Boston Tea Party is a bunch of rowdy folks uh, <laughs> marched down to Griffin's Wharf in Boston and casually tossed over some tea, right? Like it's it's pretty simple when you look at that aspect, but it's it's months of preparation in secret societies, which everyone's trusted because they're under oath to God. Um, so I think it's important to note that Freemasonry, 
was not a part of the Boston Tea Party, but Freemasons took advantage of tile doors to discuss it, if that makes any sense. Um, obviously, Freemasonry doesn't allow us to have revolutions, but sometimes they happen. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, Joseph Warren, who is, I mean, more or less the patron saint of Massachusetts Freemasonry. He was a martyr that was uh, behind a lot of the planning. Um, good friends with Paul Revere and John Hancock and the sitting grandmaster of the Lodge of St. Andrews and the Scottish sanctioned the Grand Lodge, Scottish sanctioned lodges in Massachusetts at the time. We had a Scottish charter and an English charter, so two provincial grand lodges in the same state, which that would be all over Hodap's blog if that happened nowadays. But <laughs> uh, isn't that interesting to compare Freemasonry of the time and Freemasonry today, and how yeah. how that would compare and contrast back and forth? So fascinatingly enough, the Lodge of St Andrews, which most of the revolutionaries did belong to were charted through Scotland. Joseph Warren was the Grand Master at the time, and it was mostly made up of mechanics, which would be the tradesmen and, and the working class, where the Lodge of um, St. John's Lodge in Boston was charted through England, and that was most of your, your well-to-do folk. Um, and arguably, they leaned loyalists where the Lodge of St. Andrew was clearly for the revolution. Um, it's it's very fascinating as you dig through it. So there were members of St. Saint, Saint, uh, John's Lodge that were a part of the Tea Party, but the bulk of the Lodge of St. Andrew was legitimately the Tea Party. Um, Interesting. Along with, you know, the Sons of Liberty and, and stuff like that. So you have like Sam Adams with the Sons of Liberty working with um, Joseph Warren and and the Lodge of St. Andrew to discuss, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, that, that's fascinating, you know, and when I had the opportunity to come up there for uh, MasonicCon the first time being the history nerd that I am, uh, just that part of the country just like bleeds history, right? Like everywhere you go <clears throat> is just a notable location and so cool to be around. And it kind of makes me think, you know, you can look at any town, even here in Kansas, which was, you know, rule as hell back in the day, right? Like, I mean, parts of it still are, right? But, you know, you think about Masonic lodges in these small towns as they're developed, and no matter where you're at, those Masons are some of the most influential men in the area during the times. I mean, you, you've got first sheriffs, first, you know, educators, uh, guys that are really making the path for these communities that develop. And in this part of the nation, we've got guys that are not just shaping their local area, but really shaping what is going to be what we know of America today. And just the impact that that has is tremendous. Yeah, it's 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 like this giant onion that we've really started to peel. So for us, the 250th started in 2020, but it was scrubbed out with, with COVID. Um, but the, the Boston Massacre would have had its 250th in 2020. Ironically, Plymouth, uh, Massachusetts, which obviously is the, the founding, so to speak, 
well, we're from New England. It's the founding. We don't care about Jamestown. <laughs> that didn't work out. Um, but Plymouth 400 was scrubbed too, which is unfortunate because they put a ton of money and effort into, into commemorating that. Uh, so in 2021, we did commemorate the first oration of by Joseph Warren, which was it was billed as his coming out party, which I'm not a big fan of how it's worded, but it was kind of like his big, you know, first oration that really blew people away. Um, right. So we, we did a tour at some of the historical societies in the cities around Boston and uh, New England Genealogical Historical Society. We did it there. Gorgeous building. We'll have to take you there. You, you, you'd go nuts. <laughs> like, literally Looking that. for a reason, man. Looking yeah. for a reason. Yeah. Full of Masons, ironically. The more we dig in with this 250, like Masons are coming out of the woodwork that belong to all these organizations. Um, a few weeks ago, yeah, a few weeks ago now, we had like a reception at Grand Lodge with the Grand Master and the heads of 23 different organizations in the city to kind of get everyone on the same page to see, see what's available and what we're going to do together and how this works. Right. I mean, we had you know, every organization, the old South meeting house, um, your favorite North church. Um, and like people just came out of the woodwork. We had the head of the Massachusetts national guard coming, offering help. What can he do? You know, how can we parade? What do you need? You know, so there, there's so much behind this. And I think what people need to look at is it's not just like an anniversary. Like this is, our generation's major anniversary for the nation, right? Yeah. Like a lot of people had the bicentennial. I wasn't born yet, but a lot of people pushing on the older end of, of the uh, generation is saying, listen, the bicentennial is huge and we need to match that, plant the seeds right. of history in the next generation. And, you know, so we're really taking that to heart. And I think that there's incredible opportunity to really showcase the history of Boston and everyone working together like it was then. You know, there's like 10 or 15 different organizations that work together to form the Tea Party, you know, and that was just one one event. 100%. So, I mean, to put this into perspective, because what we're thinking about, you know, these influential men and how this event really shaped the nation if the Boston Tea Party had not taken place, where do you think we would be? So it's funny. Um, the main reason that America is a major coffee drinker is because everyone said piss off to tea. <laughs> that, that's interesting. I've, I've heard that before, but that, yeah, that's one of those facts I never remember. So there was another, as we're digging into this, um, there are several merchants in Boston and, and the Eastern seaboard that began transporting cocoa up. So cocoa became big in, um, in New England because of the tea party. So okay. it, it opened the door where like, if you're caught drinking tea, you're kind of a dirt bag, you know? So it was, <laughs> it's fascinating how it works out. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's considerable, there's considerable changes around that. Yeah. Um, obviously, there was retaliation from the British Crown about the Tea Party. King was pissed, blah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and it 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 just slowly escalated everything up. 
but it's something that had to be done. It was well planned. Everybody knew it was going to happen. Um, it's believed. So we have what's called the Ancient and Honorables. I don't know if you've heard of them, but it's an artillery militia, more or less, um, that's been in Massachusetts since 1638 or something like that. It's like wow. crazy old. Um, they're still active. They had their headquarters above Faneuil Hall for centuries at this point. <laughs> um, but supposedly they managed that they were the guards at the, at the, you know, the ships that night. And it just, it's all crazy. That's so why commemoration is just, it, it's, it's a huge kickoff really since we couldn't do the massacre and the massacre is kind of hard to, to really commemorate cause it's right. You know, it's, it's a messy <laughs> situation oh. to really explain, you know, for sure. For sure. Well, real quick, I want to give a shout out. We've got some guys on the Facebook side uh, pinging in here. Uh, we've got Brother Young from Sunflower Lodge, 86, Wichita, Kansas. Thanks so much for joining in. Uh, of course, Justin Staley saying good evening, everybody. Good evening, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, let's see. David Miller from Marietta, Ohio said Harmer Lodge, number 390. Good evening. And of course, Yvette, my wife, sharing everything out for us this evening. Uh, she threw in a note here saying, hey, Brian, your favorite thing to do is drive us around in Kansas. <laughs> you did a lot of driving here in Kansas, didn't you? Well, it's a hell of a lot better than letting your wife drive. <laughs> I told you. I told you. <laughs> now, thank you guys, everybody, for joining us in live this evening. We, uh, we've got a really great episode here tonight learning all about the celebration. So 250 years, and the Grand Lodge of Massachusetts is really pushing this out. And we've got you as the chairman on this committee, correct? So yep. tell me a little bit about what can we expect for this celebration and why should brothers put this on their calendar now to make sure they're there for this? So already, so I, I should say I'm the chairman of the, the 250 commemoration committee, which covers all the commemorations. So that the tea party is actually has its own chairman as uh, Jeffrey Miller who's doing a phenomenal job, him and his team on coordinating everything and getting it ready. Um, but we've already sent out invitations to 56 Grand Lodges to the Grand Secretaries. So They're getting around. I heard about it. I heard about it. That's good. I mean, that's yeah. what we want. So essentially, we have actually gotten some RSVPs. We've got to lock down a, a hotel pretty soon and, and get that wrapped up. But we do have uh, a few grandmasters already saying that they're going to be coming. So it should be a good time. Um, so the whole event, Tea Party-wise, is constructed by the Boston Tea Party Museum, which is a, a newer museum in Boston. It's not the original location because that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, but they built uh, two boats, essentially, that they're not exact replicas, but they're, they're pretty similar to the original boats, the Dartmouth and the Beaver. Um, you can go in the museum. They actually have a tea crate that was saved from the tea party. So you can kind of see what one looks like, and, and it's nice. Uh, ironically, they have a tea room upstairs. Doesn't make any sense to me, but oh my. Uh, <laughs> But they've been great, and they're taking the lead on the city end of, of the programming. So what we're trying to do is put together a symposium 
on December 16th at Grand Lodge, inviting the lodges to showcase some of their artifacts, which some of the stuff that's coming out of the woodwork would just make you cringe to know that it's been in a closet. But really, yeah, it's it's crazy. It, it really is. Um, and, and a lot of lodges, to their credit, have been restoring a lot of their stuff. So that, that's really cool. Fair. Um, well, maybe this even serves as a a reason for them to look. I mean, some of these lodges don't even realize what they have. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and just to bring to light some of the stories. So we have a lodge out in uh, Mike Jarzebeck's area in, in Western Mass, so central, really, I guess. Um, they named their lodge after Isaiah Thomas, the, the printer, who was a, a past grandmaster and, and a huge revolutionary influence. Um, he was the senior grand warden, I believe, when Paul Revere was grandmaster. So Paul Revere chartered this lodge, Thomas Lodge. So they go out there and to thank the lodge for the honor of, of naming their lodge after Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas presented them a set of Paul Revere jewels. Um, so lodge still wow. wears them on their installations. You know what I mean? Like there's just like, how would you even imagine that? Right. In the middle Damn. of like a small town yeah. in, the, in the middle of Massachusetts. I want to think they still wear it. I mean, good Lord to, to be able to wear something, Paul Revere, <laughs> may, that's, that's, you know, that's unbelievable. Oh, it's incredible. It really is, you know, and, and just the, to have the story with it is, is what I like, you know, so you can get a piece of anything, but to know the story on how this lodge got this jewel, you know, and during the Morgan affair, the lodge went dark and each officer took his jewel home. And 30 years later, they all came back with their jewels and they recharted the lodge. So like the opportunity to mess everything up and they just didn't mess anything up. It's incredible. That's fantastic. I mean, I, I still remember when I had the chance to come up there and, you know, we got to dig through the Grand Lodge a little bit, just seeing the amount of amazing artifacts and history there. I, I mean, you mentioned Paul Revere. I, I still remember, you know, not to sidetrack here, but nerding out, uh, looking at this picture in a book with a little bit of hair and uh, uh, Walter Hunt coming up saying, oh, oh yeah, we, we, we've got that downstairs. Ended up being the, the urn handcrafted by Paul Revere with George Washington's lock of hair in it. And it was just amazing. I posted a picture with that and I had brothers freaking out that they'd never seen it in person before. I didn't know it existed 20 minutes before that. So that's interesting. So we have two urns. Um, the Revere urn with, with um, George Washington here is part of our installation for every new grandmaster. We get a grandmaster has three one-year terms. So every three years we have a new grandmaster and that's brought out every time a new grandmaster goes in. The rest of the time it is President Garfield's hair in an urn. It looks identical. Really? Yeah. I didn't realize there was a second one. That's that's pretty cool. And the other two years they use that. That's awesome. It's very fascinating. So now, who created the second urn? Was that Revere as well? Well, no. I mean, Garfield would have died in what eighteen late eighteen hundreds. Yeah, I just didn't know if it was like a second a second urn or is this just like one that was just it just looks like it. I don't know who made it. I Interesting. Me nerding out about the little stuff over here. <laughs> 
That's awesome, man. So, so tell me about this event. What is, what is some of the uh, items on the agenda that you are most looking forward to? So we wanted to put together like a weekend event, you know, right. cause obviously, I mean, you know how we are and, and you're the same way as we think big. So it's like, if we bank everything on one thing, like watching the tea go in the, to the water. All right. Well, that's cool. Well, what if it snows and it rains and the whole thing's ruined? So we wanted to have a full weekend available that you could have multiple things happening. And no matter what, you get to do something over the weekend. So we're going to start Friday, um, potentially with a group tour to the, the Boston Tea Party Museum because the, they'll have to close down Saturday so they can set up all the rigging and all that. And right. Lights and cameras. I mean, this is really setting out to be a major event for them. So that that's fantastic. Um, and then we're looking at doing a historic tavern tour that evening and going to some of the older taverns. Um, obviously the green dragon is there, but it's not the original in or right. in the location. But I mean, it's still, it's still a fascinating place to go with a bunch of brothers and, you know, raise a pint and then head off to the next one. But we do have the bell in hand and the, uh, the oyster house. So some incredible history and, and the buildings themselves are ancient really. Right. Um, Saturday we're looking at doing a full day symposium at the grand lodge. Uh, the Valley of Boston is discussing doing a public degree, which I don't recall the name of it, but essentially it is what if the British won and they put George Washington on trial for treason. So I figured that was pretty oh, rad. Man, yeah. <laughs> um, so that'll kind of be mixed in there. We're trying to do some other stuff. We're trying to like branch out and, and, you know, focus on some of the, the lesser known parts of the weekend. Cause everyone understands like, all right, well, they met, they got mad, they threw tea. Right. Um, but there's other stuff that happened. Like the following day, uh, Joseph Warren sent, Paul Revere on a ride to New York to tell them about the tea party. Um, one of Paul Revere's many rides, which we all only know of one really. So I think that there's a lot we can, we can really dig into and, and bring to light that, that that's, that's going to be our focus for that all day at Grand Lodge. And then, like I said, we'll have some of the lodges showcasing um, some of the artifacts that they have. Uh, John Hancock Lodge just preserved and, and, received back a it's a commission from john hancock when he was governor to appoint somebody a second lieutenant in the militia which is kind of cool um so all that stuff we will be able to to get in one room and really kind of showcase it man so this this is really really honing in to be something quite spectacular i mean honestly you kind of blew me off uh totally off track there thinking about george washington being tried for trees <laughs> I've got that playing out of my head right now, but I'm thinking, I mean, with the magnitude of what you guys are talking about here, this is massive for masonry, but I'm also thinking about really in general, like, I mean, this is going to draw some major public attention. Yeah. They're, they're talking about tens of thousands of people um, coming to Boston and that's great. You know, yeah. we're, we're ramping up and we want to, we want to welcome them, you know, everybody, but obviously we, we give a special love to when Freemasons come and visit our Grand Lodge and 
and some of the neighboring lodges. So we're, we're expecting, you know, a few thousand Freemasons to be there. So following the symposium, we, we the plan is that we're going to be meeting at Old South Meeting House, just as they did 250 years earlier, as well as Faneuil Hall and forming what's being called a rolling rally, which is essentially an angry mob. <laughs> um, and we're going to march to the Tea Party Museum. Now, they, they are using professional um, reenactors to do the actual Tea Party, which makes sense. Um, obviously, as Freemasons, we don't need a whole bunch of us trying to dress up as an indigenous people and throw in tea. So we'll let the professional reenactors handle all that. Um, and then who knows? I mean, we might be doing a reception later on. We've really made some, some incredible community partnerships through all this that's opened the doors. So what we do after the teas in the, in the water, we don't know yet, but Sunday, we're talking about doing having the grand chaplains do a non-denominational service in the morning. And then if we can pull it off, they're trying to dedicate a plaque at where the Griffin's Wharf would have been, um, which is where the Intercontinental Hotel is right now. So if they can pull that off, they're going to dedicate a plaque saying, you know, the Lodge of St. Andrew and, and wow. Masons were here and everything. But there's a lot of red tape involved in all that. So not not too hopeful for it, but if they can pull it off, great. If not, maybe in, in next year. But that's that's pretty awesome, man. So we're talking about this uh, this all day symposium. Are you able to name drop anyone? No, no. All right, all right. We, we tried, we tried. Yeah, I mean we're we're focusing on experts this time. Yeah. You know, not that Masons aren't experts, but we obviously want to bring in the best speakers to give the best piece of education yeah. we can. Um, we, we hope to film it and do it in, in the Gothic Hall, which I'm sure you saw in the Scottish Rite. Um, you know, it, it's a beautiful space and we can put high quality video together um, and maybe PBS or, or one of the other TV stations will be able to pick it up. And we'll be able to spread some light that way. So that's ultimately the goal is spread the light. <laughs> yeah, no, that this is fantastic, man. Uh, I mean, just to, uh, just to think about that, like this is the stuff we need to be doing. And I mean, with this being such a major historical event, it's really awesome to see, I guess that that level of positive public, uh, influence and like, you know, uh, attention versus all the crap you normally see. Like this is going to be amazing for Freemasonry to really be an opportunity, uh, to showcase what we are, who we are in the positive side, um, in a really great way. And, you know, also just to spotlight that American history and bring everyone together, uh, is, is fantastic can't imagine the amount of weight you have on your shoulders trying to <laughs> bring this all together, but I'm quite stoked for it, honestly. Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, um, Jeff Miller and his team are really, you know, taking the lead on it and taking a lot of weight off me. So that's, that's fantastic. That's been huge. Um, 
you know, we're planning 10 events right now over the next three years. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, irons in the fire, so to speak. Right. Um, like we were talking about before we went live. I mean, St. Patrick's Day 2026, Boston pretty much checks out of the Revolutionary War for the most part. Um, <laughs> you know, that's our... Uh, we did our part. Your turn. <laughs> yep, we started it. Finish it. <laughs> um, so it's... Th there will be commemorations after, you know, July 4th of 26, but for the most part, all of our commemorations are before then. Right. So in, in 2024... We're trying to, well, we are partnering with Milton Historical Society and the Canton Historical Society to commemorate the Suffolk Resolves, which were written by Joseph Warren and the, the Boston, well, some folks in Boston. I don't want to say the wrong thing or I'll get yelled at. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, the Suffolk Resolves were a major document and the house still exists. Like the rooms right. that were that assigned in, um, still exists in Milton and it's, it's a museum that's open six hours a year. You know, it's, it's incredible. And the Suffolk Resolves left Milton and actually traveled to Philadelphia, which became the precursor of the Declaration of Independence and just nobody knows about it, you know? So, so we're looking at commemorating that, um, the next town over in Canton where Paul Revere kind of had his rolling mill and all that after the revolution. They just redid the whole thing and they formed the Paul Revere Heritage Site. And when we went up to meet all these people, like we had lunch in this awesome restaurant, which actually was the rolling mill that rolled the copper that's on top of the state house. You know, wow. it, you know, it did the, the metal that's on old Ironsides, the USS Constitution. So it's just incredible. The history is just like soaked everywhere. Yeah. You know, plus the chemicals, but the food is good. <laughs> <laughs> no man you know that's what i love so much about that part of the country is like literally everywhere you turn is just so engulfed with history uh, i'm quite jealous every time i get the chance to go up there i always tell my wife i could very very easily move there <laughs> i don't I'm, i may regret that in the winter but you know the rest of the year yeah. i think i'd love it i think it gets pretty cold where you're at i mean it's the same yeah, that's fair Not enough. Bad. You know, and you know, Kansas is cool. It's flat. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> um but yeah, it's just there's so many things that are happening and people are reaching out left and right. You know, it's were, were you up here when we went to Concord after that Masonicon? Or did you have to fly out? Uh I think I think I ended up leaving quite early that morning. Okay. I think that was the one where I like flew out at like two or three in the morning. Yeah, that's horrible. You had to be back for something, I think. Whatever. I forget what it was. Yeah, I don't remember. Was uh, that was that my uh, was that my emphasis infant infamous geez uh trip where I got lost and you no. found me at Prince Hall's grave? That was the next year? That was the first year, I think. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. And then the, the other one was uh well anyway, in Concord, you know, where the war started, Lexington conquered and all that. Um, that'll be in, in 25, but overlooking the North Bridge in Concord, beautiful property called the Old Mance. Um, okay. You've heard of that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. Um, Nathaniel Hawthorne's house, you know, 
Ralph Waldo Emerson lived there for a while. And then after that, there was like three generations of Masons with two grand chaplains and a junior steward or junior grand steward. <laughs> it's pretty funny, but come to find out one of the guys that takes care of the house is a Mason. And now like we have this piece of history that overlooked this battle that literally turned the world around. You know, it just, right. so we're talking about programming around liberty and li literature um what influenced all these authors that lived in Concord by the war were they influenced how was it you know Louisa May Alcott Henry David Thoreau I mean there's an incredible list of authors that came from this one little New England town you know it, it just right. doesn't make any sense that they weren't influenced somehow so for sure you know I mean there's just so much potential programming it's like mind-boggling sometimes <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. So I, I'm curious. I mean, obviously there's so much to consider here. When did you guys first start planning this? Like when, when did this become a topic that like we need to get on this? Um, the previous grandmaster, Richard Maggio formed a committee in 2020. Um, and he appointed the current grandmaster at the time, well, at the time he was uh, the senior grand warden, uh, George Hamilton, as the chairman, and it was it was understood I, I would take it over after, but um, it wasn't understood like we don't have a progressive line. So him being grandmaster was a surprise to everybody and sped everything up for us quite a bit. Um, so we met at a steakhouse and he laid out like the most amazing plan. Cause my thought went, all right, well, we're going to commemorate 2026. Let's start planning. Now we'll have a big banquet or something. And he laid out like this whole historical timeline of everything that happened in Massachusetts. Um, and it just blew me away and we've yeah. just been feeding off it and, and picking what we can do and what are other people doing and who can we partner with to do this. And I mean, right. the partnerships are the amazing thing, you know, just to have people that are as passionate as you about history and, you know, to show them something they've never seen, like is really cool. Yeah, most definitely. Most <laughs> and, definitely. and they do it to us too. Um, they just rediscovered Joseph Warren's powder horn at the old South meeting house. And, um, wow one of our members of the committee, Christian Despino, who wrote an awesome book on Joseph Warren, uh, flew up and gave a talk on it and, and got to see it. And, you know, just, just incredible. You know, there, there's so many really impressive facts that you're, uh, you're dropping here. I, I think the, the biggest one so far, uh, is that you guys planned ahead because I, <laughs> I think we see so much in masonry. It's like, Oh, is that this year? Uh, yeah, we better do something like to have that come out and like, we're going to do this. We're going to do it right. Um, it is, is fantastic. And then to hear to the level of what you guys are planning, uh, that's going to impact the community. That's going to be, you know, recorded and documented for history. Uh, just quite, quite impressive. I'm curious how far in the hole are you guys on this? What do you mean? Like financial? Like fine, yeah. You've got to have a, quite a bill on this going. Really? Just very resourceful. Everything pays for itself, 
right? So every event we hold, like we're going to open Grand Lodge and bring speakers in, like there's no bill, gas and electric, I guess. But um, so our big bill, which I haven't really talked to you about yet, is we are, we just started fundraising at the June quarterly to cast a five foot cannon and a statue of Henry Knox. And we're going to retrace the Knox Trail through Massachusetts, stopping in, in the communities and partnering with districts and to put on major events and and focus on Henry Knox and showcase them. And the goal, hopefully, we're still working on the Parks Department, is to place the, the statue of Henry Knox on Dorchester Heights, where he eventually would get to, which caused the evacuation day. Wow. Um, so th that's going to be incredible. Uh, some red tape. You know, but we've already gotten some significant donations from it. So everything is, you know, funding. And if you make something cool enough, people people want to be a part of it. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, you donate a certain amount, then all of a sudden you have this this statuette of Henry Knox that there's going to be a limited number of them. Um, Ryan Flynn's going to be commissioned to paint a, a new portrait of Henry Knox. And then there's going to be numbered lithographs that are signed. And if you donate to this tier, you're going to get one of those numbered lithographs. Wow. Um, you know, it is a lot of planning, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of people working together, which really is, is making it not that bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's really creative planning. And I guess that's why you guys, are in charge, right? Like to have those masterminds to know how to bring this together, what we need to do uh, to get us in a, a good position to pull this off. Uh, that is what puts masonry in the winning place. That's fantastic to hear. I am honestly stoked to see this event come together. Yeah, we're going to cover some more of the stuff. Um, the Northeast Grand Masters Conference is going to be up here in a couple weeks. I believe it's a week before your Masonicon. It is, and I'll be there. <laughs> so you're going to get to, well, you'll see the reactions of some of the Grand Lodges anyway. Um, but just just the level of excitement and follow through that we have had from Freemasons has blown me away. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to come across as cynical, but I've been failed on a few times, to say the least. So to, to see sure. so many brothers, like, show up um we're putting together a liberty tree program where we can plant a liberty tree in the center of any town usa and put on a ritual and talk about you know basically weaving the symbolism of um our positions into it you know wisdom youth strength and all that and the tree and how it symbolizes the the liberty of America and the future generations. And, you know, it, wow. it's, it's incredible, you know, and we had a Liberty tree, so it's, it's symbolic for us. You know, it was cut down by loyalist bastards, <laughs> but now it's a painting on the side of a building where the tree used to be. <laughs> that's awesome. So you said that's, that's going to become a program. Yeah. Um, we're hoping to have it done and be able to hand it out at the, the grand masters conference. So you wow. just take the ritual and, and roll with it. You know, it just, it's a reason for you to go down to the t city hall and be like, Hey, let's plant this Liberty tree. You know, yeah. it's a program. We can do it publicly and it costs you a tree. Like, right. You right. know, 50 bucks. 
So that's that's fantastic. I'm I'm really stoked for that. The uh, the Northeast uh, Conference Grandmasters. I'll be talking at that, and I'm really really stoked to uh, to definitely be there. One to hear more details, uh, to see the reaction of the other grand officials there, and definitely to hear more about that very program because uh, I think that would be pretty cool to uh, try to bring back here. Absolutely. And, you know, everything we're doing, we're making available and we're trying to as much as we can not make everything Massachusetts centric. Right. We want to make it so you can be like, well, if you change these eight words, you can put it in your jurisdiction with no no issues. Right. So I think that that that's what's important is, you know, you do something successful, share it, you know, kind of like Masonicon. Like it'd be stupid if I threw a fit if every time somebody wanted to have a Masonicon, like that'd be ignorant. So you know, it's all about sharing it. 100%. I, I think that's one of the beautiful things that masonry is finally kind of progressing to that point that I feel like we're seeing on a large scale now where masons are understanding it's masonry. It's not just Kansas masonry and Massachusetts masonry and California. It's, it's masonry. And we, we've got to come together with that picture that what we do impacts masonry as a whole and not just our individual lodge or individual jurisdiction, et cetera. Um, because in the past, like we've looked at that and we, we often find ourselves kind of fighting one another, like not, you know, not in a bad way, but always trying to outdo. And it often doesn't work in a great way towards the whole. But I've noticed that, um, especially with, you know, this digital age taking over where kind of we have like this platforms, we're able to communicate so much better. We're starting to see masonry come back together. And I think it's a really vital time for it, but I think it's going to be, uh, be really great in the long run. Absolutely. Um, you know, but that, I think that's what it's about. Yeah. Like, Nobody that's not a Mason cares if one jurisdiction thinks they're better than another one. And I I think that that's, it's been a tough lesson to me because I come from Massachusetts, which is very stringent, you know, we're very tuxedoed and grim and proper and clean everything. And, you know, for me to respect the, the way of Masonry in other States has taken a while, but now it just, I don't know, something clicked. I don't know if I'm just, it's not a fight I want anymore, <laughs> you know, <it's, laughs> but if everyone's happy and, and they're doing good work, then they're doing good work. Yeah, no, I, I will 100% give credit where it's due. I, I can say when I've come up to Massachusetts, uh, experiencing masonry there kind of relit my passion for masonry, uh, in, in a time period that it wasn't so great. So, I mean, you guys are obviously doing some pretty amazing things up there. Uh, I mean, obviously for Massachusetts, but for Freemasonry as a whole, you guys have such an amazing impact that you're putting out and we're all better for it. 100%. Well, we've actually been connecting with like the new England States on collaborating for things. Right. So if we're right. doing something, there's no reason that we shouldn't do it together. And I, I think that that's I love that. That's something that's always hurt because you don't understand masonry unless you travel. Right. I mean, yeah. there's you can't even argue it anymore. Right. Like, you know, you, you just don't get it. So seeing the benefits of that and collaborating, like we're trying to do like day trips where we hit like three or four historical sites in a state 
and we just promote it between the two states. You know, something as simple as that. It costs your Grand Lodge literally nothing. <laughs> right. You just promote it and then have somebody coordinate it. It's, it's so simple, you know, but yet it, it seems in the past it's been so difficult. And I don't know, and I mean, I'll say that we've been very fortunate because the past few Grand Masters, including the current one, have been very liberal with allowing us to do what we want. Um, in, in regards to myself and Mike Jarzebeck and really trying things that might not have been okay in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously not breaking rules or anything, but just new ideas. Sure. You know? Well, you know, I, I think there's, there's huge benefit to, I mean, obviously they have the right guys in those positions, but like, obviously that's something you want to be careful of. Make sure you have the right trustworthy guys to take stuff like that on. But I think one thing that kills so much in masonry, not just in the large sense of, of you know, killing programs, but just, you know, killing that fire um, is that death by committee. And we see that, you know, in lodge and grand lodge independent bodies, just everywhere you can imagine, um, because you can't please everybody. But to give somebody the power of make this work is quite impressive. And like, I think that's where we see that innovation. That's where we see that progression and it's, it's needed. I mean, with, with anything, like even dealing with, with companies these days, uh, like I do web design, right? So when I deal with a company and it's like, oh, well, we want the entire board to have input on this website, that website's not going to go anywhere. It's not <laughs> appoint a guy. Let me have one contact point and we'll get some answers and we'll get some work done. Um, you, you gotta, you gotta have that ability to go. Um, so to hear that, that explains to me a lot why we're seeing so much progression coming out of your guys's jurisdiction. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't agree more. And you know, you, you've been fortunate in Kansas that they, they've, you know, followed and supported your Masonic on as well. Um, you know, I, I did my last one right after COVID, but we, we missed the COVID year and and it, it is what it is. But before that, like I never had Grand Lodge representation at my Masonicons at all. And right. you know, arguably I didn't invite them, but you know, <laughs> and it, it just, it's nothing against it. It just, you know, it wasn't about confusing, you know, why we're doing it. Yeah. Um, and I do think no, that I that's important. And that's, that's one of those issues that, uh, you know, wasn't independent to you. I, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus here, but I know another brother that held a, uh, a Masonicon after your guys has kind of had that same deal where, well, Grand Lodge found out about theirs and they, they wanted involved and they wanted the grand honors. And he just had a look, this is only Masonic because there's going to be a bunch of Masons in the same place. You won't get any titles. <laughs> you won't get introduced. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's what it's about, right? We're not here for titles. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm not doing any of this. I'm literally doing everything for the 250 committee because I'm passionate about the history and to be a part of something like that is, is, is my, my excitement enough, you know, and the whole committee feels the same way. It just, just to be a part of it is really the gift. Most definitely. Well, man, you know, before we get to the end of the hour, I want to make sure while we have a bunch of live listeners here, how can people stay in tune with this event, keep up to date? Uh, 
do you guys have website, email? How, how can they get in the loop and uh, get on board with all this? We do have a website. Well, we have a, a Facebook page and a, a Google account, which is kind of like that. <laughs> uh, I know a guy, hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, as long as he works for free. We, <laughs> we'll see. We we'll, we'll talk. Uh, yeah, two, 250committee at gmail.com. Surprisingly, it was open. <laughs> Fantastic. We'll make sure to get that in the show notes as well. Uh, definitely encourage everyone out there listening. Uh, this is going to be a phenomenal historic event that you will most most definitely want to be involved with. So definitely send them an email and get on the chain of communication and make sure you're there if you can be. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about, I, I know you talked about a recording. Um, will there be any kind of virtual access for guys uh, not able to make it there in person? Um, I would just say God willing. <laughs> the goal would be yes. Um, we got to work out some of the kinks and make sure that we have all the everything locked down because obviously sure. the, there's a considerable amount of equipment up there for the Scottish Rite. So we would need all their permissions and all that. So that's still in the works. Um, but yeah, uh, the goal is yes. But and I'm sure like the tea party is probably going to be on TV and all that. But there's nothing like Boston in December. And I'll tell you, it's so it's a, it's a fifth. 15th through the 17th of December and you know Boston will be lit up for for the holidays and everything and it, it's one yeah. of the most amazing places I can only so. imagine so out of curiosity because I made a joke one time another thing I'm not going to throw a, a name out here but a brother when I was up there offered to take me out on his boat and I made the joke of uh, throwing some tea in and he freaked out on me so how did you officially get them to let you uh, do an actual tea party so <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean all the credit again goes to the Boston Tea Party Museum sure so they had to get a permit and all the tea they throw in has to be loose leaf. So okay. they can't throw like, you can't just throw a tea bag in, you know, it's all loose leaf. So they actually have ships leaving England on the same day that the original ships left and bringing the tea, which they had commissioned by the um, India Tea Company, which was the original creator of the tea. Right. Uh, so they're going to bring that tea over. I want to say it's like 250 pounds in crates, all loose leaf wow. tea, and, and that's going to get dumped in the harbor. So in and theory, if all the records are correct, we should be able to smell tea well into the summer. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. That's that's what all that's the records fantastic. And I, I'm I'm assuming the uh, the museum's a 501c3, so they're not going to get taxed on that tea, or this would ruin the entire event. Um. <laughs> So ironically, out of all the organizations, the Boston Tea Party Museum is the only for-profit museum in the group that we are really with. So how they're doing all this, I don't know if they have like a 501c3 section of it or, or how all that's working. And, you know, I don't want to get in the nitty gritty. No, yeah. I don't need to know all that. <laughs> it was funny and you got all technical, man. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's all about the facts. It, it is. It is. We're talking history, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome, man. Well, we, we've got about five minutes here before the top of the hour and we'll do our toast. Um, 
let's kind of bring it up with, uh, with some final thoughts about this event, what you want people to make sure they go away with on this. I think that what we want to focus on is there's history in every city mm-hmm. and there's, you know, Mason's buried time capsules. They, you know, famous Masons did this, they did that. Like find those dates and commemorate them. You know, even if you just do a public wreath laying at your first master's grave or something, just, just, you got to get out, get out of the building, yeah. <laughs> you know, or bring the community yeah. into the building. Like the history is so amazing on its own. It's better than watching TV. You start reading some of the, the actual accounts and, and it's incredible. You know, what these, these people risked was just mind blowing. Yeah. I mean, if you look at um, John Pullman, one of the people that was involved with putting the lanterns in, in Old North to, to signal Paul Revere, like right. that small act, he lost everything. Like he yeah. literally lost everything. He had to flee. His wife had to flee. She was pregnant at the time. She gave birth in a hut. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's incredible. Like none of his property was there. Yeah. And that's all just in the cause of, of, of liberty. I mean, imagine that. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, these guys aren't getting that glorification in the moment. Like in the moment, it, it's real. It's raw. Uh, it, you know, they don't become famous just because they do that. It's like this This was uh, this was real. It was yeah. <laughs> it was quite intense for him. Like obviously losing everything, uh, it's not the easiest thing to do. You know, this is real risk. Yeah, I mean it, it's crazy. And you know, there's there's um, John Pullman, and then there's another guy, the vestry or whatever of Old North, and literally they both have plaques claiming that they hung the lanterns. Um, yeah, which completely contradict each other, but that's the typical Boston way. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I, I love the fact that you talk about kind of any city doing events like this, um, because that that's one common theme that we hear as a complaint throughout Freemasonry is the public isn't aware of us. And, you know, while Freemasonry isn't history, we have history. History is an amazing way to reconnect with your community, um, because if you look at those early members, in a large way, they shaped the communities we live in. If you commemorate that and they happen to be a Freemason, you have a perfect tie-in to your community and you have a perfect opportunity that we miss probably on a weekly basis to really positively advertise what you guys do, who you are. Uh, And we miss that far too often. So 100% agree with you. Dig into your history and utilize it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you... Even if you look at Lafayette returning 50 years later, like he traveled the entire country, well, as big as it was, I think up to the Mississippi River and and east, but he traveled right. the entire entire country almost in a year. Like there's there's stuff going on about that right now. There's a bunch of organizations right. that are planning. Like just be a part of it. All you got to do is reach out and be like, hey, what can we do to commemorate this? Oh yeah, 100%. I mean, honestly, like look at what events there are. And I bet you're going to find a Mason that was attached to it. Yep. 100%. And one great thing about us being Freemasons is we, we have people and we don't need money. All we (laughs) want to do is help. And if you go to an organization that's a 501 C three and say that they are gladly going to help you. That is, that is a fantastic point. 100%. (laughs) Worked for us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, brother, we're coming up on the top of the hour here and we typically end these off with a toast. Let's see if you would be kind enough to lead us in a toast this evening. 
Sure. I'd like to raise my my water cup here to that um, works. to all the people that didn't give a shit and they just did stuff that was ruined their lives just so we could sit here and have a toast tonight. <laughs> I love it. Liberty. To liberty. What a fantastic way to look at it because it's so true. It is. <laughs> it's so true. To be able to step out of that comfort zone and truly not care just to care so much. Yeah, absolutely. It's an amazing thing. Well, brother, thank you so much for coming on this evening. You guys are doing some amazing things. You've got your work cut out for you. Sounds like you have an amazing team uh, behind you with this and I know it's going to be fantastic. I cannot wait to hear more. Uh, definitely going to get that email in the show notes. I urge all of you to further check this out. If you can be there, be there. I know this is going to be one of those events that you're going to kick yourself if you miss it. Uh, but Brian, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show again. You're always a treasure. I uh, really, really appreciate everything you do for Masonry, my brother. Thank you. And I appreciate it. And send the vet and the family my love. And I'll see you in another 120 shows. Fantastic. Say hello to the family as well. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks everyone for tuning in. And until next time, keep preserving the history of Freemasonry.